how can I say this? You've arrived. I guess that's how I say it. You're here. You found us. My name is Mark. I'll be your camp host. Welcome to Hobo Safe Camp. I'm really, really, really happy that you're here because this episode of the Virtual Campfire is really, really, really good. Uh, today, we're joined by Paul Hutton, and Paul has some great insights into filling our lives with love. Basically, if we really want to transcend all the pain and bullshit that the world throws at us, we need to reprogram our brains to see things differently. In other words, every moment is a lesson. So we need to determine what we need to learn in those moments. Uh, you can fo follow Paul on Instagram. He's at Paul Hudden, P-A-U-L-H-U-D-O-N. And be sure to check out his blog at www.paulhudden.com. He's got some great insights. And if you're ever feeling down and alone, he's sure to uplift your spirits. So after you listen to this, go visit the digital version of Paul. And also be sure to check out the other great netcasts here on Open Lines Radio. There's a bunch of them. Our voices are growing in number. So um, there's most likely something that you can find to stimulate your brain. We're available on all the podcast outlets. Whatever you're listening to on now, go listen to the rest of them. Um, let's do this thing. Let's just jump right into it. Pick up the magical tin can telephone that the Ascended Masters have provided for all of us to connect to each other and back to them. Put it up to your ear. Let love wash over you. Paul, ramble on. I'm just a rambling hobo. I ramble all along. I'm just a rambling hobo. I ramble all along. Ain't got no one to love me. No place to call my home. Most of my life, I was always a carpenter, but um, I started rock climbing and hiking at a young age. And so with that, we always were taught to sort of trust our instincts and trust, you know, if you're in a situation that doesn't feel right, there's a reason for it. And so we would either back off the cliff or we would leave, you know, we would hike out of the mountains. And so I experienced that when I was younger, but as you get busy through life, you forget that. Uh, and then I got to the point where I couldn't deny that gut feeling I had because I would go against the gut feeling and I would wind up, truthfully, I would wind up in the emergency room or uh, I would feel the gut feeling and I would, let's say, turn around on my motorcycle and come home and just have a pleasant day. So I could actually see where the result of going against that instinct, that inner instinct. Uh, and then one day I had something happen to me in my wood shop and I realized that I will never go against my gut feeling again. And I will always ask for guidance um, in everything I do from now on. And the great thing about that is actually it, it's worked out tremendously for me. I, I started to connect with what I call a higher consciousness so I can have a conversation uh, I write a lot of conversations, a lot of my blog posts are uh, conversations with this higher consciousness. Uh, but it's all about trusting your gut. You know, it's all about trusting how you feel uh, and trying to live your life that way. 
So um, when when you say that you're you're asking, are you asking your higher consciousness? Is there a like like a higher a higher consciousness outside of yourself that you're you're communing with? Um, you know, I'm not sure where the consciousness is. My guess is it's it's within all of us, and it's you know it it connects all human beings. I mean, it's the same consciousness that. Uh, causes your mother to worry about you because she has that weird feeling about you and then she calls you or something like that. Or, um, and so it's like, and you see it a lot with people that are twins. Uh, one twin lives in California, they lives in Pennsylvania, but the twin knows when the other twin is not doing well. And so I, I think that we're all connected through this, this consciousness. There's a collective consciousness. And some people call it God, some people call it source, and some people even call it spirit. Um, but I think it's within all of us, but we really have been, um, it has been overshadowed um, by so many things in our world today. I mean, you can look on your phone and you can see what's actually going on in South Africa today. You know, right. there's so many other things going on in our world that overshadow checking in with your instincts or your gut feelings. Right. Um, and then, um, and a lot of times, you know, growing up as a kid, I used to hear it from my mom all the time, you know, uh, trust your instincts, or I'm not, I don't feel good about your friend. You probably heard it too. You know, <laughs> I don't feel good about your friends. You know, they're bad apples. You know, sure enough, your mom is right, but you don't want to admit that to her. And so then how do we take that gut feeling and live a life in this, in this century, in this busy time of life? Uh, with this new knowledge. And so that's sort of where I'm at now is trying to share that wisdom uh, with other people and try to get them to connect with that wisdom that's within themselves as well. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Now you've had, you say you've had some uh, experiences in your life that have, have, have you always felt this way or was there something that you can think of that like triggered you to think more along this uh, collective consciousness frame of mind, I guess. Um, I guess I've always felt that there was something greater out there um, other than just us in the physical world and when we die, that's it. I guess I've always felt that. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I, I really started paying attention to it. Um, yeah, like I, said, like I said earlier, when I didn't pay attention to it, I'd wind up in the emergency room. And then, uh, which is kind of a crazy thing, um, but how many times have you heard somebody say, well, I, I figured I, I'd just take the chance and see how it worked out, and it didn't work out, you know? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you start to question, it's like, okay, well, why didn't you follow your gut? Why didn't you follow your instincts, you know? Uh, and so for me, it's just after the last time um, I actually injured myself in my wood shop, um, and then I realized that, wow, I had that gut feeling. I knew I shouldn't have taken the job, but I went ahead with it anyway, because of course I needed the money. Um, and I should have said no, but that's always hindsight. You know, you, you're sitting in the emergency room thinking, wow, I should have said no. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so I started to ask myself, well, wow, why did I deny myself that gut feeling, the truth of that gut feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think sometimes it's almost like 
and, and and like you say, it is it's usually related to money and needing to make some money, but usually you will just hope for the best, close your eyes and hope for the best, even though you know it's not going to work out. Sure. But, yeah, but a lot of times it doesn't really, you know, you don't get injured with it. You know, a lot of times you go, wow, you know, maybe your relationship falls apart or maybe you quit your job or maybe you storm off in anger or something like that. Uh, but for me, I wanted to know, it was like, wow, what was the trigger? Why did I get to the point where I now have to storm off in anger? Or why did I get to the point where I'm sitting in the emergency room? And so asking myself those questions, you know, um, which was pretty profound for me uh, to realize that there were so many other things going on in the world that I felt were more important than my own well-being. You know, if you, the moment you wind up in the emergency room, you're no longer taking care of yourself. I mean, you, right. <laughs> you know, you've you've disregarded any kind of guidance that will help you get there, uh, help you get to a safer place. Yes. Um, so it's always been fascinating to me to see if, if someone had that funny gut feeling before things didn't go well for them or they just ignored it uh, and went ahead anyway. Right. So do you feel like now you are just more aware of it where you're, you're actually listening to your instincts more? How do you, how do you pull out of that? It's so hard to, to trust yourself. Well, see, that's the thing. Um, you have to realize, or, you know, all of us have to realize that. Uh, and there's something I've learned through many of the conversations is that the essence of who we are is love. You know, it sounds crazy when you look at the, world around us, but all I can really count on is the love that I have within me for myself. Uh, and again, it sounds kind of crazy in this day and age to actually talk about loving yourself. Um, but to, to be able to trust that love and be able to trust yourself and think this is for my own well-being. And so pretty much every day we always ask, you know, what feels best? You know, what feels best for you today? Um, granted, we have a bunch of things we have to do today. But it's like, what feels best? Okay, well, and so you, you, when you constantly ask yourself that question, uh, it's not as if you're disregarding your responsibilities, but it's taking your responsibilities um, and just, just knowing that you can turn those responsibilities into something that actually feels good. You know, it's like, Maybe going to the DMV might not feel good, but you can change your attitude about it so that it actually is more enjoyable than the drudgery you think it is. Right. If that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, because it's like I, I have that same problem where it's like I just want to exist and not have these daily mundane things like going to the DMV. But actually, once you get that done and you can check that off your list, it feels so good as well. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that too is if you if you think, um, I mean, I'm I'm sure the DMV is much different where we live than where you live. Um, but you know, you can take it as it, I firmly believe that everybody in your life experience has something to teach you. Uh, even the the person that appears to be homeless on the street has something to teach you about about yourself. And so a lot of times they'll go into situations and I'll think, okay. What can I learn from going into this situation? What can I learn from 
you know, what can I learn for, for my personal growth from going to the DMV? You know, can I be more tolerant to the people next to me? Can I be more tolerant to the person behind the counter? You know, can I see that? Can I actually accept that? I know very little about them, but I have to trust that they're doing the very best they can with the lives they have. Right. Right. You know, I have uh, I have teenage uh, children, so I've been at the DMV a lot dealing with driver's license issues. <laughs> what I've noticed is it's not there's there's this uh, not to get off top off topic here, but there's this there's this uh, general idea that it's the DMV that is this this bad or or problem problematic entity, but it's really I've noticed it's the people who are at the DMV. <laughs> more than it is actually the people working at the DMV that are really causing issues. Well, that's, that's an interesting point because if you, if you have a predetermined idea that the DMV is going to be challenging, well, then the DMV is challenge, going to be challenging, and then it'll prove that belief. So then that strengthens your belief that the DMV will be challenging. And so um, it's kind of interesting. We, um, we had to buy a new, a new car recently, a new truck. Uh, and so we thought, because both my wife and I are living through the same sort of experiences, um, and we thought, well, let's change our attitude about going to buy the car. Let's tell ourselves that let's truly believe that the right person will be there to help us sell the car. We'll get the price, the car at the price we want, and it'll all flow smoothly. And we firmly believe that. We actually set an intention before we went to buy the car, nice. and it worked out great. We drove away. We were laughing the whole time because we thought, wow, that was the easiest car buying experience we have ever had. Cool. But in the past, if we went in with the attitude that, man, buying this car is going to be drudgery, it will be drudgery because that's the energy you put into it. Right. So if you, if you go to the DMV thinking, and as everybody does, that this is going to be painful and aggravating you go you will experience that it's like when i hurt myself in my shop we were driving to the emergency room and both my wife and i were thinking and i know she was thinking and i was thinking the the emergency room will be empty everybody will be there for me the right doctor will be there the right technicians will have the right diagnosis it'll all go smoothly everything will go well and as it turns out everything did because we set that intention before we left. We changed our attitude about how the situation could go before we even left the house. And when we walked into the emergency room, everything worked out for us. So we can do that in every aspect of our lives. Right, right. You, you said something a little earlier, uh, the essence of who we are is love. Yes. Is that something that you have found that the people that you know in your life, like when you say that, or maybe you don't, because it's kind of hard. To, it's there, there's this kind of this online world, and then there's the people who are really in your life, and they're kind of these two different things. Sure. And, and kind of like when I take that the essence of who we are is love to the physical world and the people who are around me, I get a lot of eye rolls, and uh, what is this hippie love crap of yours? As yeah, opposed sure. to maybe being online with people I don't know who I'm able to connect with that are like, yes. Do you find <laughs> no, that? I, I, no, I get it. Um, because it's, 
it's hard to look out there on the world and in the world and believe that wow, the essence of who we are is our love. And you see things going on in different parts of the country, and you think, well, how can that be? Uh, and so that's a good question. And it's no, it's something that I've learned from from all these conference, all these conversations. So, um, so with the higher consciousness, I can actually sit down on my laptop and actually have a conversation. You know, I can ask a question and then I hear the words in my head and I write it out. And, and I know that it's not me thinking them because I feel this tremendous love as I'm writing them. So believing that the essence of who we are is, is love um, is, is definitely a challenging thought. Um, but I think the way society is now, we've disconnected ourselves from that love. I mean, you look at a, look at a baby, a newborn baby. When your kids were born, newborn baby, all that child knew was love. It didn't know anything else. It didn't know anger. It didn't know frustration. All that stuff is sort of taught to us throughout life. And so, so for me, believing that the essence of who we are is love actually allows me to see other people um, through the eyes of love and not through what I would have considered their faults at one time. Um, and so it actually makes it easier for me to go through life seeing everybody through the eyes of love as opposed to everybody how they used to irritate me in the past. Because um, that wasn't a very enjoyable experience if I always bumped into somebody and they always irritated me. If I connected with them, if I thought, wow, the essence of this person is love, they're just disconnected from it. And I can accept them through that love. That makes life much easier for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and just realize that they're, they're doing the best they can based on what they know and based on how they were brought up and based on their life experience, uh, which can be a tough challenge to accept as well. Would you say that forgiveness is a big part of love? Because it seems like that's kind of like when you have to, when you're accepting somebody and somebody's, you know, maybe shortcomings, which I, which are always kind of uh, in the eye of the beholder, I guess. It's, sure. It's, it's it's almost like forgiving somebody in the moment for not understanding what this like universal love means. Oh yeah, forgiveness is huge. Uh, forgiveness is huge, and. Um, it starts a, a lot of times with self-forgiveness because I, I might not be able to forgive the person that, that hurt me last week, uh, but I can forgive myself um, for, for just doing the, for thinking that I could have done better. Okay. I did the best I can. Boy, I really do forgive myself for reacting that way. And I forgive them too, because they're doing the best they can. So forgiveness is huge. Um, and I think we, we tend to sort of oversimplify how powerful forgiveness actually is. Right, right. And I mean, forgiveness is such a hard thing because there's kind of this thing that that goes along with it, where it's like if you forgive somebody, you're letting them off the hook, almost. You know, even you know if somebody's wronged you, and and I know I know a lot of people that that hold that they don't forgive just because they think that. It, it's allowing or it's it's like letting that other person like get away with something and i don't know i don't know that that's the case no i get that um well think about that for a second so 
I'm not going to forgive somebody that hurt me, but I'm going to carry that anger around with me every day and every time I see them. And then you think, wow, how is that anger? Why do I want to carry that anger? Why don't I just want to let that person go from my consciousness and from my life through forgiveness? I mean, if, if I'm still angry for something that somebody did to me four years ago, that's my fault that I can't release that and move on to a better feeling place. Because in reality, as long as I hold on to that anger, I'm stuck in that time frame. I, I can't move forward with this person or I can't move my forward about that subject until I release that person or anger or frustration, whatever it is, from my consciousness, from my being. Uh, so it's interesting. When I, when I injured myself in my shop, at first I blamed the client. Oh, because he was pushing me and there were all of these things. And then I realized the client was just being the client. He was just being him. So he really had nothing to do with it. It was my behavior and my reactions and the choice. Giving into it. For giving into it. So it was actually more powerful to forgive myself uh, than it was to forgive him because I never, I don't see him anymore. We don't cross paths. I can forgive him for being him, but I don't really have to. But I really did need to forgive myself for not taking care of myself when I knew it was important. Right, right. Now, the, you, the, this this moment that you hurt yourself in your workshop uh -huh. seems like a pretty big turning point in your life. Was it like, was it the, the fact that things changed after, or was it just like there was the potential for things to go wrong and it didn't? but you recognize the potential or did have, has your life like seriously, would it, how did that, how did that, that injury like effect, affect your everyday life? Well, it changed it in a big way because it, it made me realize that uh, um, I actually have to take care of myself. I actually have to trust that guidance. I actually have to trust those gut feelings um, and know that that gut feeling is telling me that, something is is not right uh, and then it was big because I had spent a very long career as a carpenter without any injuries without any serious injuries at all uh, and so suddenly to do this I realized I actually let myself down and I let my wife down too you know I let myself down I allowed myself to get injured because I wasn't paying attention to that gut feeling that told me to stop doing those things so it did change my life a lot. And then it, it made me start to ask a lot of questions. So one of them was, why did I allow myself to disregard that? And then I realized, well, and then the, the root of that is, well, I guess I wasn't really, I guess I, I realized I hadn't, I didn't really love myself and that I was willing to throw myself under the bus for this client's piece of work. Um, which is interesting because if you look around you, many people will throw themselves under the bus for other people. Um, you know, Self-sacrifice is huge in our society, in our world. Um, and so it, it changed my life in the sense that I, I decided that I was going to start paying attention to that guidance and I was going to try to live through that guidance. Uh, it took a couple months to get to that point. 
uh, and then uh, through you know meditation, um, I was able to get to a place where I could start to hear my inner voice and start to ask all these questions that I uh, I didn't know anybody in my life I could ask these questions to. Uh, and so started getting loving answers, which was really great. So it has changed my life in a big way, but it's changed it in a tremendous way. And I'm, we're so, I'm so much happier now than I was then. My relationship with my wife is so much better now than it was then. So things have definitely changed uh, in a positive way, which I'm really excited for. Nice. Nice. I like, I like that. Um, the, well, I don't like the idea of self-sacrifice, but like, like when you said, you said, I just something just popped into my head where it's like we're all everybody there's a lot of people that are willing to self-sacrifice but it's like so few people are willing to actually sacrifice for self sure yeah i mean um uh, it, it's interesting I, i've written a, a bunch of articles and uh um i wrote one called self-love and self-sacrifice uh, because we're we are so so raised to to give yourself to others, give to others, and um, you know, sacrifice your desires to make other people happy and stuff like that. And then you realize, well, what does that really do for me as an individual if I sacrifice my true desires to say help my my wife accomplish her desires? At some point, I'm going to get bitter, and at some point, she's going to feel it, and so I'll be hiding. My, I'll be hiding behind my belief that self-sacrifice is the way to live. And so if I truly love myself and start to follow my inner guidance, and then my wife decides she wants to start a new career, I can help her through love and not through sacrifice. Because I don't have to sacrifice anything because now it's the action the action is of love. It's love based. Right. And then and it was, and you don't have the, uh, that, that the bitterness doesn't creep in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, and you see it, you see it a fair amount in a lot of relationships and a lot of times relationships fail because of it. Um, and a lot of times relationships don't grow because of it. Because one person sacrifices for the other. I don't want my wife to sacrifice her true desires so that I can have a cool wood shop or anything like that. I don't want her to do that. Why Why ask her to give up her dreams to support me? I mean, why can't we both pursue our dreams um, through love, not through sacrifice? Yes. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Now you, you came to this place like through through meditation, and 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 kind of like I guess it's like finding the the voice in your head yeah. or in your oh, yeah. heart. Yep. Where do you is that something you still practice or where do you turn to now that maybe you've kind of leveled up? But where do you turn to now for inspiration? Wow, it's everywhere around me. Um, but no, I can I every morning uh, I meditate every morning and then I I write a conversation every morning. I think writing in journals is really important. Um, because a lot of times, if you go back and reread what you've written over the past couple of weeks, you can sort of see what your underlying emotions are towards certain subjects. Um, but I write every day, um, and I try to read every day. I write a conversation every day. Um, 
I've also written two two books that were in the editing process right now um, with my inner voice, which is really exciting. Uh, and so inspiration is is easy to find because um, I know it's within me. You know, I know that that love is within me, and I know that. And the, and this is exciting. The new part of my life. I'm no longer a carpenter. Um, the new part of my life is sharing this wisdom is having a conversation with you and the future wanting to do workshops and, and just having conversations with people that actually do want to find a better place within themselves so that life may not be so challenging for them. Nice. Nice. When, when you say that you um, like write conversations, how does, how does that like, are you, and maybe it's just you're just you're writing answering the questions that you're you're channeling but how does that work exactly well imagine trying to write the conversation that you and i are having right now imagine, imagine just trying to write it um and at, when it first started for me um i was writing in my journal and i had all these questions i'm one of those people that i want to know why for everything I want to know why that works and why that doesn't work and that kind of thing. And I was, so I was, I was asking a bunch of questions and I thought, I'm just going to stop to see if I can hear something, see, just to see. And after I wrote my last question, I started hearing a voice inside of my head that was loving and, and powerful and answered every one of my questions. And so it's just like writing this conversation that you and I are having. I can ask a question, I can get an answer, I can write a comment, get another answer, get a response. Um, and so that day I wrote, I wrote eight pages and then I wrote for about four months in a notebook and then I wound up buying a, a computer because my handwriting was so terrible. Uh, and so now I actually write a conversation and I print it uh, so I can read it later or my wife can read it after. But it is just like a conversation like you and I are having right now. Um, and it's the wisdom is pretty powerful and amazing. And what I've learned has totally changed my life as well. And it, it's, I know it's helped the woman that's editing the book and it's helped my wife a lot. Um, and so that's inspirational too, to seeing, uh, seeing the benefits of some of these conversations. Nice. So, so, do you do you do you look at it as a conversation with yourself, or is it a or is it is there actually like a higher consciousness coming through and answering? That's interesting. Um, I yeah, I've never read that many books on spirituality and sociology and all that stuff that would give me this wisdom. It wasn't like I, I have a history of, you know, it would be so much easier if I was a, um, a minister or something like that, because I would have this history of, of religious beliefs, but I don't, it's not who I am. Um, and so I definitely believe that it's from a higher consciousness and not from me, um, because I don't think I'd be that interested in answering those questions. I, I don't have the wisdom to answer the questions to the depth that they have been answered. So somewhere, somehow, you're pulling it out of out of uh, the vibrations that are just 
in the universe. To the best of my knowledge, that's the best way to explain it. Yes. Yeah. That's yep. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have any kind of? You say like religion's not a big part of your life, but has it ever been? Where you is or is, have you always just kind of been like a, like a not a not very a non-religious person? Um. Well, we were raised Catholic until my parents got divorced when I was about 14. And that was about the last time we went to church. Um, and so, yeah, so I would actually say that there has been very little religion in my life uh, through most of my life. But I do believe that there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Right, right. I'm right there with you. I was about 14 when it was like the last time I was seriously in church. and. And uh, it's just, it's weird. I, I'm just, I just connecting with you because it's like, uh, it's the same thing. Like I haven't, I don't have a very religious background yet. Some, this, this information's coming from somewhere. Yes, sure. The interesting thing, um, you can see, like my grandmother was very religious. Uh, pray the rosary every night, go to church whenever she had to. But when, when she was uh, ready to pass away, she was afraid that God would not let her into heaven. And all I could, she was 90 years old. And all I could think of is, what kind of religion is that? You know, that, that you as a person who live a, a tremendous life, you raise a tremendous family, you give, you know, you, you're like the poster child for the way life should be lived. And on your deathbed, you're afraid that God won't let you into, um, into heaven. And they, wow. That's not, there's not much love there. Right. Right. It's, it's fear. Sure. But it, it, and so when we get into a spiritual place, like where I am now, I mean, I have no fear of dying. Big rock comes falling out of the sky, crushes me right now. Wow. I just had a tremendous life. Granted, my wife will be disappointed, people around me will be disappointed, but uh, there's just so much love, you know, within us, in life, that there doesn't need to be any fear of the of, of dying. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, I'm just, so, so basically, I'm just, I'm trying to, here's, here's what I'm trying to do. Paul, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to put you in a box. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to boil you down to your essence, and what I think it is is in your message, and and I think we're we're very similar, which is I think why we've, I I, I think this is just the beginning of a of a connection. Um, we don't know each other at all, so it's. <laughs> It, it's, so it's kind of fun. Like I don't know where where this this relationship is going to go, but I really love kind of like your um, your message, which is basically that the essence of who we are is love. Sure. Well, <laughs> that's true. And the cool thing about what you and I are going through right now is I'm I'm a firm believer that there are no coincidences that every person in your life is meant to teach you something important to help you with the next phase of your life. So though we may not know each other, we're supposed to know each other because we're having this conversation now. If it wasn't meant to be, 
I would never have direct messaged you, or you would have said you were busy, or it wouldn't work out. I just I just read an Eckert Tolle quote yesterday that was uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, that um, everything that we experience is for a reason, and and the, the the reason you know that the universe is putting this in front of you right now is because it's in front of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true, it's, but but we think it's an inconvenience, or we think that it's coincidence, or you know, guidance, inner guidance from source or spirit or collective consciousness, the great creator, or whatever you want to call it, flows in many many different ways. So if if you don't get the message right now, sitting here, it will flow to you again. There'll be another, they're trying to, you know, it's all for your best. It's all for you to live your best life, the best life possible, to live the essence of love. Um, and everything is presented to you for, to help you along that journey. Right. And I'm sure that that moment where you were sitting in the emergency room, you weren't thinking, this is for a reason, but in hindsight, it was for a reason. No, I actually knew it. You knew I it at that moment. It. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting in the emergency room, and I went, wow. I had that gut feeling, and I ignored it, and here I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, then from there, there's a process of, okay, and you start asking bigger questions. You know, why did I do this, and what am I supposed to learn from this, and how is my life supposed to develop from here? You know, and things like that. So, you, so yeah, so... So one, it's like with the conversation, the conversations that I have, one question can spur a thousand words, you know, in an answer or in a conversation. So something that I say to you or you say to me will spur some thought that'll maybe next time we talk, if we talk, we'll discuss that again. So, so I, I firmly believe in what Edgar said, that it's meant for you because it's in front of you. I love that. I, I have such a hard time just trying to um, verbalize or put into words the, the definition of love and try to take it out of that um, cliche um, definition that most people roll their eyes out or that you don't even hear anymore. It kind of just becomes like, you know, th there's, there's, so, there's so much uh, like with, with good vibes and, and all these things where people don't even like recognize they, they say it and they say everything is love and and the, and the the love is who we are but I just have such a hard time like actually define putting a definition on what that means sure <laughs> yeah i i uh, because i you know I, I i love my i love my dog boy and i love my truck uh and i love having chickens but boy i love my wife too you know <laughs> and so i totally get your point Right. Uh, I actually knew somebody. She said, "I would love to punch that guy in the face." I'm like, "Well, how can you do that? How can you actually love?" And so, yeah. So, defining the word love, um, it it actually gets to the point where there are no words to define it, because when you feel it, you'll know it. And which is, I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't really help, um, but you're looking for that feeling that when you that just races through your body of like pure joy you know then the other word is becomes joy you know can you replace love with joy okay 
You know, when I wake up in the morning and I open the shades and I see that the, the continental divide is covered in clouds and it's snowing, can I feel joy at that? And of course, yes, because we need the moisture, you know, or we want the moisture. And so then the question becomes joy. Do you find joy in it? Is there joy in 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 your belief? And uh, yeah, so defining love can be challenging because we just abuse the word. Right. It's almost like putting it's almost like putting the word on it cheapens it. It's, it's it, like you say it's more of a feeling than an actual word. It's just that's just the only way we can communicate it as humans in our yeah. language. Yes. Yeah. And language, it's a feeling and you know it, you know, it's like, I, I, I know my wife loves me, but how do I define that? I mean, I define it by, oh, she made me tea this morning. Well, that doesn't actually define love, you know? And so you're right. So defining it, but it, it's one of those things where, where you know, it's just this incredible, powerful feeling of, wow. But it's also an acceptance of, of who you are, if you if you're searching for that love, and you constantly judge yourself as not good enough, or you know, uh, one of the many reasons we judge ourselves, you're not going to feel that love. So there's a lot of things that we sort of have to push aside, so that we can begin to feel that love. Right, and and. And I had somebody said to me, one of the hashtags I use a lot in my Instagram posts is um, God is light, be light. And, uh-huh. and somebody said, mentioned to me that that it's God's not only light. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, you, if the, too much of one thing, like there's balance. There's, it's light and dark. It's, just, it's, a, it's almost like the in-between of both and, and being able to walk both. Yeah. I think that's what you're saying, where it's this acceptance of no matter what's happening and what you're dealing with, putting a, finding joy in it. Yes. I mean, it's, and a lot of times, you know, joy, joy isn't, you know, champagne corks and high fives and all that stuff. A lot of times joy is just a real comfortable feeling of just a, a comfortable knowing that, wow, I'm okay with who I am, where I'm at in my life right now. So I'm at the DMV and I'm not melting down. <laughs> Yeah, or I'm at the DMV and I'm man, uh, I could be somewhere else. I could be face down with handcuffs behind my back in in uh, China or something like that. You know, we tend to we tend to think that where we're at, if it's bad, it's like really bad, you know. But like, oh, I'm at the DMV. It's like really. I mean, look at look where we're at. Look what we can do. Go and you could buy anything. You actually get to be at the DMV. There are people yeah. that don't yeah. get to be at the DMV. You're actually at the DMV, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to I think have... of it. What's that? That's a good way to think of it. It's a good way to look at life. Yeah. I, I actually uh, – um, I have this crazy story that I, I haven't told anybody or I haven't told many people, but um, I was riding my motorcycle uh, through southern Utah outside of Moab, and – where we were going to ride, we were going to cross over this section of highway uh, twice. And as we, we were riding up this hill and around this curve, there was a dead deer on the side of the road. And mo- most of the time on a motorcycle, you can smell it. And so I, I go, wow, look at a dead deer. Right? I didn't hit it. And so I'm riding up the road, and here comes a guy on a bicycle. 
And there are people that are on cross-country bike trips, and you can tell. And this guy definitely was not one of those people. He appeared to be homeless, uh, and all of his clothes were dirty. And I saw him, and I went, you know, I just thought, wow, okay. And so we did our little loop, and then we came back around the corner, and the guy was sitting on the side of the road with his big knife, and he was cutting off slabs of, of venison from the deer. He wasn't cooking it. There was no fire. And all I could think of is, wow, that's how low someone can go. Not how low, but, but that's how... How desperate somebody can be. Somebody can be. I was like, here I am riding my fancy motorcycle, you know, but, you know, riding through Moab, having a great time. And here's this guy. He's cutting slabs off of a dead deer that you can smell on the road. And that's his life experience. And that was a good thing. That was luck for him. Oh, yeah, he was probably thrilled. He's like, you agree. So based on his situation, that guy might have been experiencing joy. Right. Based on my experience, it wasn't much joy in it. But I don't I can't relate to where he was at, but I can't judge him because of where he was at. And so his level of joy was different than mine. But I can still accept his level of joy because it raised him up to a better place. Yeah, that's a great story. It was amazing. It was one of those things where, you know, I did the double take and I just thought, wow, there's a lesson in this for me. Uh, and there was. It was a great, it was a great lesson. It's, it's kind of a, southern Utah is kind of a, out, out there in the middle of nowhere, it's kind of a scary place for deer. <laughs> My brother Doug and I uh Took a uh, took a trip down to um, Page, Arizona, in the middle of the night, and going down yeah. 89, and, and you, just the street, the the road is just lined with eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. You could just you're just waiting for a deer to run out in front of you. Yeah, that's one of the things you learn, uh, sort of living in rural areas of the country. It's like the, you, if you can, you don't drive at night because. You know, we have a herd of elk that sort of come through our neighborhood, and there'd be 200 animals. And so now you have 200 elk trying to cross the road, um, which, I mean, they take their time. Yeah, and, that's crazy. And so, yeah, you try not to drive at night, you know, because you just never know what's out there. Of course, you know, the, my theory is the countryside is so beautiful. Why drive at night? Right, right. Well, that's cool. That's a cool story. I, uh, I've kind of been uh, dominating this conversation by just asking you questions. But is there, is there any, anything that you want to is – there, is there a message that you want to get out to the world that maybe I haven't led you to that path yet, <laughs> that path to, to, to get it out? Is, is, there, is there something that you like, – like, what's your message to the world? But you've answered, you've asked some great questions, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess it would be that um, that everybody is doing the best that they can, um, and that that when we accept that, um, it releases a lot of the stress and burdens that we place on other people to, to sort of change to please us, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel it happening to me already right now. Just, just talking to you where I get I get frustrated a lot just going out into the world with people <laughs> and and today as I go out into the world to run my errands um, 
I'm going to really kind of like put this into practice of, of uh, just allowing people to be people and not getting so frustrated with the world around me. Well, and then, and then let's see. When we allow people to be themselves, we're not asking them to change to please us. Okay? Um, so obviously, I'm going to bring this subject up, even though it's sort of painful, but we have a situation in Washington that doesn't really please a lot of people. But we want those people to behave better to make us happy. Okay, so if, and so if I accept that the people in Washington are doing the best that they can, then I can release my negative focus on them and focus on trying to improve the quality of my life and then having a positive effect of, on the people around me. Right. Bring it, bring it, bring it into a, a local level where you're affecting change in, in the world around you rather than putting so much negative energy into people who may or may not think they're doing the right thing, whether right. you agree with them or not. Right. Um, and then the great thing about the local level, I mean, it's, it's exactly like tossing a, a pebble in a pond. I mean, the, the analogy has been spoken many times. The ripples go out and affect everybody. So if you go into your local coffee shop and the person behind the cash register, I mean, they've run up hundreds of people today. And, and if you say something nice to them, you may put a smile on their face. Well, that, that will ripple out through them. That will ripple out through their day as well. So why not say something kind and compassionate to someone you don't know? Because you actually have no idea what they're going through in that day. And it might just make their day. Right. Right. But you have to you have to step back and accept that you can express yourself through love to these people uh, and not feel like a a creep or a freak or anything like that. You know, you can talk about the weather or how you're doing, you know. Right. And just not just not being a jerk sometimes is enough. <laughs> To yeah, communicate you know, you know, just, kindness. Uh, yeah, and it's just that I mean everybody has their thing they're going through, you know everybody's got stuff they're working through, um, and for me I find that I have found that I don't have to add to their stuff by being rude to them. I mean if they're rude to me at the counter at the coffee shop that's their deal and not mine. Right. You know right. I, I don't have to jump into it and be rude with them. And I, I like the political analogy too because it works both on both sides. It doesn't matter who you agree with. It, it works both ways. Where there's, there's this division in sides, and one side does one thing, and the other the other side says the other person's furious that that side's behaving that way. So rather than lead by example, they all, they stoop and and do the exact same thing. Like they call name. Everybody's calling each other names. Sure. Yeah. Policy is not really being affected because we're still at the surface level of calling each other names and, yeah. and being cruel to each other, basically, yeah. rather than seeing each other as humans. Yes. And where does that take us? That takes us, I mean, it's, it, 
people see that behavior and actually think a lot of times that's how we're supposed to behave. And so when they see that behavior, they think that that's how they're supposed to behave. So then, then that causes a belief in them that, oh, well, to get anything done, I have to be rude, mean, and angry at other people, which is, right. which is not so at all. Right. And, and then you see, you see that I'm, I'm not even, you don't even have to be specific in politics. It's like, it's like one person says, one person gets called out on something and their response to being called out on it isn't to address what they've done. It is, well, that's what they're doing. You know, sure. why, why aren't you, why aren't you asking them why they're doing it instead of looking at ourselves and saying, why am I doing this? It's always this deflection of, well, they're doing it. Why aren't you yeah. asking them? Well, it, it leads to the, to the, the subject of taking responsibility for our, for our own lives, for our own selves, you know, yeah. it's like taking responsibility for, okay, if you call me out on something and I deflect it, I'm not taking responsibility for my actions. And a lot of people live that way because they feel that life happens to them. You know, I would say the majority of people live that way. Yeah. They feel that life happens to them. And so when you realize that, wow, I can actually, um, I don't want to, the word control, there, there's kind of no better word, but I can actually control the outcome of my day by my attitudes towards those around me. Right. Right. You can control your actions and reactions. Yep. Control the things yep. you can, you can control what other people do, but you can control what you do. Yes, and it actually took me years to figure what figure that out, what it truly means. It took me years to figure it out. I mean, I, I heard it, and I kind of thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. But then when you really start living that way, you realize, wow, this is really powerful. It's, it's funny. you. We, I don't know why we keep going back to cars, but I, I got some really uh, sage advice from a car salesman once while I was buying a car. And waiting for all the approvals and everything to go through, yeah. and I don't even know why, but this car, the car salesman was telling me about his son and some troubles his son was getting into, and he he said, you know, I just trying to explain to my son. I'm just saying, don't let other people dictate who you are. And he's like, I'm not. They're just. And he's no. That person's actions are causing yeah. your are are dictating who you are. Don't let what somebody else does dictate who you are and I don't it's always stuck with me. it's been years it stuck with me with that that advice I got in that office at the car dealership <laughs> that's great advice it's great advice because because let's say let's say I go to I walk up to the get the mail and my neighbor says something about me you know I, I realize that's that's his belief why let something negative that somebody says about you ruin the rest of your day because you're so focused on it. Right. I can just because somebody it. says something doesn't mean it's true. Sure. Sure. I'll, I mean, it's their opinion. Um, but I don't have to carry that with me throughout the course of my day. But people do. People hold on to that. If you're if a, a person is still angry about something that I said to them four years ago, first of all, I'm sorry. But second of all, they should let it go. You know, and if I'm still angry for something someone said four years ago, I should let it go um, and realize that by letting it go, I release them from my consciousness and I can go on with my life and I no longer have to think of them in negative terms every time their name comes up. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful.
thank you so much for doing this thank today. You. This has been thank really you. fun, and I hope uh, we do it again. Yes, I I look forward to it. And take it take it to a, a little deeper level as we, as we get to know each other a little better. Anytime. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Like when my rambling days are over. And my gambling days are through When my rambling days are over And my gambling days are through If you tell me that you love me I'll be coming back to you 